everybody, and welcome back to part two of Makaton versus Picks. But yeah, go on to why. Go for it. Cool. Thank you. So we've done the when, the where, and now the why. Why use Makaton? So Makaton was born out of the necessity of providing language and communication to individuals who weren't able to develop speech or knew how to use oral communication as efficiently as neurotypical people. So this lady, Margaret Walker, this came out of the necessity. So she saw there was something missing, that a need that, was, that wasn't being met, <clears throat> and she went for it. Kudos to her. Well done, Miss, uh, Miss Margaret. So learners can both use the symbols and the gestures. And, you know, why use Makaton? I personally think it's... I like Makaton... Because in a way it's in you. So once you, if you have good imitation skills with gestures, you learn a sign and then you learn if you use it, it will always be with you. So if you keep practicing, uh, whereas with pictures and symbols help, of course, with symbols, you sometimes need to get the book. Whereas with signing, I like signing better just because then I can just I can just do it. It's if I have use of my hands, if I can do a sign, I can just do so. If I want a biscuit, I can just sign biscuit instead of looking for a picture of biscuit. But I know that, you know, not everyone's the same and every learner will have different necessities. And some learners might be better with pictures than um, than signs. So, you know, some it needs to be accommodated for the different needs. I personally like signing. Because um, even if the other person uses symbols and I use signing, because again, if the person under can understand signs, but it has a harder time making them, there's still communication because they understand what I'm asking and then they can reply with a symbol, which I then understand what they're saying. So it's, you know, that's what Makaton, that's a very good thing for Makaton, where because they have different ways of communication, then it can be catered to a lot of people therefore communication is always happening it's not just you know you know when you have you ever come across you're outside and there's someone who needs your help in the community and this person can't communicate to you what they want and I've had that happen to me a few times and there was this gentleman bless him and he I was trying to sign but he didn't know sign but he knew how to write so he he pointed at a, he tried to make a gesture of writing. So I had paper and stuff and he was writing. And in the end we got there, but, but, you know, I knew sign, but he didn't and he couldn't speak. So it must be incredibly frustrating not to have a way of telling people what, what do you need? So yeah, that's, that's the thing that I think, I think Makaton shouldn't just be as well for um, special needs. I think Everyone in our planet should know a little bit of sign language or makaton or some other form of communication because it's just not fair to exclude a whole community just because they can't communicate the way we do. Well, but that's just my, I'm getting ahead. So, Lauren, why should people use pics? What do you think? Thank you. I, I agree with you completely. I, I adore signing. I always have. And um, it was such a gift to be able to learn it and use it to teach the people that I have taught and I yeah it's it's beautiful and even like scuba diving people use sign or I mean a, a form of sign it may be gestures but when you go underwater and you can't communicate you have to use 
other ways to communicate. So it's everywhere, really. It's just developing that skill to be able to be part of more diverse communities. Okay, so let's talk about PICS. Why, why is PICS a good, a good um, communication tool to use? Or an AAC, Augmentative Alternative Communication. Um, the, the primary goal would be to teach functional communication, and that's why I also think it would be amazing, is that research has so, shown also that some people develop speech from using PICS, and others um, transition to using a speech-generating device. Um, I had a young man that we taught for quite a long time who, to sign, and he was successful to a point. We tried to teach him to speak, he was successful to a point, but neither was strong enough to carry the amount of communication he could do. So we taught him to type, and then he types, and a speech-generating device speaks for him, and it's literally changed his whole life. Um, and also, why? Because there's just so much research to say that PEX is being used effectively, and evidence-based practice is substantial um, and it continues to expand with over 150 articles from all over the world and that also can be accessed via the website. So I would say just because it's been so successful but I would say that you have to follow the way that they tell you to teach is very 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 important. So yeah that's why. Diana just tell, just tell us so how how would you teach Bex? Tell me I want to know. Tell me everything. Okay. So I'm going to try and go through it as quickly as possible. Because <laughs> no, no, there is... no, 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 take your time, take your time, it's fine. I there mean... is quite a lot, um, but it's very interesting how it's been broken down. So I will talk and then I will mention about how I've seen it work, maybe. Hey, Carla, and you can ask questions mm -hmm. as I go. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So PIX has six phases that um, you work your way through. Um, I don't think that every student will get to every phase and some children will um, use the phase and they no longer require some of the phases. OK, so and I just wanted to say here in the beginning is that uh, as following a lot of ABA or behavioral principles is that verbal prompts are not used to teach the young people. OK, because. And I don't know, I can't really evidence it here, but from my experience, um, when teaching some skills that when you tell someone, you give an instruction or you give them a verbal prompt, it's harder to fade out than helping someone do it with their hands um, or helping them point by pointing at something. So the verbal part of that, we often don't do in ABA, always. Sometimes we do, but it's harder to fade out in terms of supporting or prompting a child than other ways to do it. Um, and also they said it avoids prompt dependency of the child. So they're waiting for someone to help them. If we don't use as many verbal prompts, we don't have as many children that are waiting for that help or that prompt. Okay. I hope I haven't been too confusing there. Um, and when I read this, I found this quite interesting because I, have, I haven't seen it done this way. But they mentioned that you should have two, two people that are trained and one is supporting the child and the other person is um, like physically prompt, you know, someone's physically prompting the child and the other oh. person is receiving the, yeah, the, the exchange. That's really so cool. I know. And I didn't know that either. And I was like, oh, maybe that's also why. And actually... I actually I might talk about this later, but Carly, you might have to remind me about the two people thing. Will you remind me? Okay, in, yeah, uh, I'll put a note here. But, okay, um, just because I want to say it, but I want to say it later. Um, so that the person doesn't have, you don't have to reach across the child to try and prompt them. 
and the other person supporting the child, which can be faded out, and the child can be confident um, initiating with the person sitting in front of them as opposed, as opposed to the person behind them. Have I been confusing? No, 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 you're clear. It's, it's, it's simple. Okay. It's, you have another person prompting child from behind or next okay. to it, and then once the child is good, then they, you don't need that person. You Like you said, you phase it out. No, yeah, that's fine. Cool. Okay. And they've said that this also reduces prompt dependency, okay, and increases more um, independent initiating communicators, okay? Um, okay, so phase one is called how to communicate, and literally all phase one is the child takes a picture. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't have, the child doesn't have to recognize the picture. They just have to learn that the picture exchanges for something they want or need. So it's used for everything. It doesn't matter. We don't have to have a book with a range of pictures. And we have to discriminate between them. Phase one is literally, I give you something and you give me something. Okay, so it's learning that the exchange is the communication. Does that make sense? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, it does. Sorry, it, I'm it, just it, asking, it, Carla. No, no, it's, it's, it's fine. It's just, oh, you're just asking metaphor, like metaphorically. Yeah. Metaphorically, well, sorry. Yeah. Okay, okay, sorry. And then phase two is distance and persistence. So it's still the single pictures. Okay, but the individual learns to generalize the skill by using the different places. Okay, so they have to go to different people or across different distances, maybe across the classroom, across the room, across the house. So they're taught to be more persistent communicators so that they have to find someone to go, I need this thing, you need to give it to me. Okay, so they're exchanging the picture for an item or an activity um, so that they, you know, the initiation is that is that really, really strong building part um, sort of foundation. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Okay. And then phase three. So now, so phase one, you've learned how to exchange the pictures. Phase two, you've learned how to be more persistent, move across the room to get something, find someone to, to help you communicate, you know, give your item across. Phase three is picture discrimination. So the individuals learn to select two more pictures. Okay. So they got to be able to discriminate between these pictures that are placed in their book or on, on a tablet. And then they give those pictures out and only when they're correct are they the item is and then if if oh gosh, sorry. Only if the item is correct will the child receive the the item that they want. The picture's correct, it matches the item. If it isn't, then the person helps them by what we call error correction. They help them get the right answer. Um so there's a lot of behavioral principles in that too. So the picture discrimination is only phase three, and I didn't know that. Okay, and then phase four is sentence structure. So the child learns to say, I want, and they place pictures, and the the um, sentences become more and more um, advanced, depending on the child's ability. Phase five is response requesting, where um, they earn to answer questions when someone says, what do you want? And then they make the sentence. And then phase six, which is amazing, is that the child is taught to comment on different things. So someone says to you, what do you hear? What do you see? And the child will make a sentence um, using their pics with words or pictures um, or symbols or I see, I hear, I feel, etc. So yeah, that's the phases. I hope I've been clear enough. And if I haven't, I apologize. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how you would teach it. Carla, um, do you want to go into your how? Um, before I do that, I just wanted to ask, because because I'm just thinking about the sense, uh, sentence structure, or the mm -hmm. even the response of requesting that there's one thing that would I would pick on, which is, you know, when they say, what do you want? And the fact mm. that they have to answer, I want like mm. a full sentence that for me would be, I know that they're trying to do the stages and all, but I personally think I would think that I'd be 
I would see, I see that and I think, well, but when, when someone asks me what I want, I just tell them what I want. I don't give mm. them a full, and I get they need the structure, but then it has to be very well targeted for a very specific learner, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's why they also have the phases. So some children will just not go past phase three. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just get better at disc- discriminating between more and more pictures or they become more fluent on their tablet. So I think it depends on that part. But I, yeah, I haven't seen, to be very honest with you, I haven't seen center structure um, phase four or phase five response quest- requesting, responsive quest- requesting, very successful with some of the students yeah. I have seen. And Me I'm talking either. about children that are very good with their picks. Um like very clear about what they want, whatever. I haven't seen it very successful. Which, so. which makes think maybe it needs to be looked at again. Yeah. Because, or, or maybe not maybe the right learner. Taught. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Maybe it's so, not the right learner. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well. So, do you want me to go on my experience, or do you want to do your how? Um. Yeah, do your experience right now. I just okay. want to say, when I say right learner, I mean the learner that's it doesn't suit the learner. Yes, yes. It's not suitable for their learning style or their communication yeah. capability. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just just go to your experience with PEX and then I'll go into Makaton. Okay, cool. So Carla and I thought we'd also be good about like our experience with ABA and PEX. And as Carla's will be a bit different to mine because I can't talk about... <laughs> I couldn't speak a lot about PECS without mentioning ABA because it's it's got its roots in applied behavior analysis and verbal behavior. And so I thought about talk about my experience with how I've seen it um, and how I've taught it um, in terms of ABA. So in my experience, um, when teaching PECS supported by AB, ABA, I have been successful um, in developing children that can communicate using PECS. Um, they can constantly find a symbol or a picture and give it to the person to communicate their wants and needs. I haven't seen PECs being used with children, in my experience, with some of the learners I have taught, using the sentence structure very well and the response um, requesting very well. Um, But I think also if you don't follow the phases set out clearly by um, the professionals, by pyramid educational consultants, there can be a lack of progress and also frustration on the part of the communicator. If you, if they're trying to communicate and you're trying to slow them down by putting it in a sentence, like Carla was mentioning earlier, I think it can be quite frustrating. And I think also exactly what you said, it needs to be decided on the, the person's, what Carla said, sorry, um, the person's current skill level. Okay, what communication skills do they already have? How do we want them to communicate? And will PICS be a good fit for them? Is it going to, is it going to, benefit their lives and make them more fluent communicators. If not, I might not choose it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my little bit of experience with it. I have seen it work, um, but I also have seen children develop in other ways using other communication methods. So yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, so mm-hmm. you said you want to talk about the two people trainer. You said to mm-hmm. remind you. Okay, so I want to talk about the disadvantages. Is that okay? Oh, do you want to? Oh, later on. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. I wasn't clear. It's fine. I mean, all right, cool. So then Lauren told us, "Thank you for telling us about that." I, I had no idea it was so structured. That's very ABA how structured. Yeah. Sorry, and also I was are. falling over my words, so I apologize. It wasn't as Not clear as it could be. 
I think you're clear, it's fine. Um, so now, how is Makaton taught? I Well, I just wanted to say, I am not a Makaton trainer. I am not going to tell you guys how how to teach science. That's up to the Makaton charity on their online courses. Please don't sue us. Uh, we're just talking about it. So going back to the article I mentioned earlier in the episode, um, the Makaton vocabulary was developed using, uh, you know, depending on the needs. And in the article that I used, uh, you know, by uh, in the 90s by Margaret Walker, um, they based their development of the vocabulary on four principles. Uh, and I'm going to quote the principles. So principle number one, focus on the teaching of a small core vocabulary or highly functional words. Focus number two, no, sorry, um, principle number two, organization of the vocabulary into a sequence of communicative priorities with, within stages. Principle number three, personalization of the vocabulary to suit individual needs. And principle number four, the combined use of the modalities of speech, manual sign, and graphic symbol. So what does this tell us? This tells us that Makaton, when they're developing, you know, the vocabulary or deciding what should be taught to the learner, they look at um, the core vocabulary that's functional, so like like pecs so the the center of it is the functional functionality of it so it should be functional and tailored to the learner as they mentioned on the principle number three it should be tailored to the individual needs of the person uh, so it doesn't mean just because someone likes a cookie doesn't mean the other person will like a cookie so what's the point you can teach them cookie if you really want but why are you teaching them to ask for something they don't like that could be later and in this is kind of, this makes me think of EFL, so the Essentials for Livings, which we mentioned on our previous episode of choosing an assessment. So in Essentials for Living, it's a, a assessment tool, and they divide the skills in must have, should have, good to have, and nice to have. That means must have, you need to have them, should have would be skills that, you know, it's that you should have them good to have it's not as essential and nice to have is the least of your concerns so it's the same thing with makaton what's the vocabulary the learner needs for their daily life to function in their daily lives what is the vocabulary that they should have you know there's a lot of vocabulary you should have in case you need it and then there's the vocabulary where oh, it would be good if they had it or nice to have, where it's not the big priority. And that's how Makaton as well teaches vocabulary. So on the Makaton website, when they explain their training, they divide into four levels. And each level uh, is taught uh, two stages and also bits of the core vocabulary. And I've read that there's nine stages, but on the website, I could only find the reference to the eight stages. So I'm not sure where the ninth, sta ninth stage has gone. So on level one, uh, they teach the stages one and two and a bit of the core vocabulary, which is the training I had. And then level two, they, they teach stages three and four and a bit of the core vocabulary. Level three, stages five and six, and level four, stages seven and eight. So basically multiples, which is divided. They put two stages in each level. 
and you need to be able to you need to have the stage one and two uh, course before you move on to stage three and four and so on. So it's it's like a build up. You're building up on on the skills of learning the science and how to teach it. And the core vocabulary is it is taught, um, and the stages were made in order to increase vocabulary. But like we like I just mentioned, it will be depending on the individual needs. So you might even learn some vocabulary on stage one and two that maybe your learner doesn't need. But most of it they might need. So it, it will depend a lot on the learner. So if you're interested in the course, go check it online. They also have lots of resources and they have the sign of the week, which is quite cool. So ABN Makaton. So as I mentioned, uh, a good thing with Makaton, with specifically the signing section, eh, the part, this, you know, teaching signs, is that the signs are always with you. You'll whip them out when you need them. Uh, but of course, not everyone is good with signs and they might need symbols. <clears throat> and in my experience teaching Makaton the, using ABA, there's no... When I worked in an organization with Lauren where we had to teach signs, even though there's the tendency of, you know, you, you tackle reinforcers first, preferred activities, and then you do signs in the child's environment or functional items or actions. This is the natural order we, we would do in ABA because it's what's, it's what's functional, what makes more sense, kind of like pecs. But there's no official structure. We don't have, in when we're, so when we teach signs to children, we don't have this structure that says, first you teach this stage, then you teach the, like, even though they have the stages, when I was teaching Makaton, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't teaching that, those stages. I was teaching what was working for my learner, uh, which, you know, in a way would be good to have some sort of order. Even though, like, ABA people, I feel, can be quite good and are quite good with understanding the natural order, which is, you know, reinforcers, functional, etc. But for someone who's new to ABA, maybe they, they could use a guide, I would say, to teach the a proper order. Because I've had, I remember when I had this, this teenager and then I moved on to another teenager and the tutor who took over my previous pupil had put in tickles as a man. And this, this young man was 16. He was 16. So you can't, like, I, I remember I went to Lauren and I said, can you please look at this? And she had to talk and be like, so you can't teach Tickles to a 16-year-old, A, because he learned them when he was a child, B, because he's 16, he shouldn't be asking anyone for Tickles. He's entering adulthood. But, well, that's a whole other subject, isn't it? And, you know, in ABA, both Lauren and I would... And I think I can speak for her in this sense. I don't know if I can't, she'll pipe in. <laughs> um, we assess what skills the child has in in the areas of making vocalizations, of imitation and visual perception. So we would have a sense of the child's abilities, and afterwards we would decide the approach most appropriate. You know, we might be teaching within all three areas. We might be using the symbols, the speech, and the signs. 
but we might be recording data just on one particular area because that's the area we target, but we try to teach it as a whole. And not everyone will do this. Some people, depends on the learner, depends on the on the teacher, but some people might just tackle science, some people just might tackle the, the vocalizations, um, etc. So if the person assigning, demanding and the requesting doesn't have a plan in mind, the science can be taught randomly. So it is really important to plan out priorities. It's really important to know what skills your learner has, what's important to them, what can they currently do, and just make a plan. We always we love a plan. In ABA, we love a plan. And when you're teaching, you're teaching science, you might have to take it in small steps. Um, we have in ABA different levels of prompting for uh, for signing and for for other skills. We have a full physical prompting, so it's also called a hand over hand, where you put your hands on top of the person to make them do the sign, so to teach them how what the shape of the sign is. And this is really useful for children or learners who don't have very good <coughs> motor imitation skills. So they do need us to help shape the hands into the sign format. There's a partial physical prompting where we physically help but we don't do it all for the child. So we don't do all the work for the child. We, It's not hand over hand. It's just like, you know, we just shape it a bit or we we try to tap the, the wrist or some part of the hand so the child understands, oh, I need to do this, this gesture. So this is the first stage of fading out that we would do. Uh, and there's also the gestural where the child copies our gesture, so we don't need to do it for them. And then there's independent signing where the child can just sign sign for something with us without us having to show the sign and each learner will be at a different level and even with, within different signs the same learner can be at different levels with different signs it doesn't mean that just because they can do they can copy a, a sign that they will be able to copy the other sign maybe the other sign is harder and they need hand over hand support so that's also something to consider um and it's always best to assess what love what level people are at and start where they're at. Make you, you need to first make requesting, so manding needs to be consistent in a certain stage before you move on to harder levels or before you demand more. And even if you think, oh yeah, he, he can do more than that. Yes, we're not limiting the child, but you need to consider that it's best, that it's consistent and fluid and strong before you move on to okay now I want him to sign blah 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 blah. Even with even with symbols, if they identify a few symbols, don't try to pressure them into doing even more, even more. Just take it step by step. They will get there, but if you take too big of a step, you might then have to take three steps back. And that wouldn't be ideal, would it? But it happens sometimes. So this is my experience of ABA and Makaton. And now Lauren, do you Anything I wasn't clear on, anything you want to ask? But you know quite a lot about Makaton anyway. No, I think that was fine. I just, I'm going to add something in disadvantages. Um, mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I, you know, I think maybe it's because of the organization I started in. I'm just, I was always very pro-sign. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think because the, because the school was. And I'd, now that I'm no longer working in that environment, I, you know, I think I've been better at trying to see what else we could do with our young people. And I think actually as an organization, we got better um, as developing our 
our skills as uh, practitioners as or as therapists at being better at suiting um, communication styles for the kids. So yeah, I think um, I you know I'm proud to have come a long a long way because I think it was very one-sided for quite a long time. Thank you everybody for listening to part two of Makaton versus Pigs. <laughs>